Don't don't do that. Go bear cut. Number no, that you can't deflect now. <laughs> I, I just did. You can't do that. <laughs> Look, squirrel. And then you can't say, squirrel, "Are you ready to bear go?" Bearcats! Yay! Number six. They yeah. might be in the. They might be in the uh, playoffs. It's terrifying. They could be. Yeah, because you know who they have to play? Alabama. <laughs> Welcome to the intro. I'm Josh Anderson. I'm Bob Gailman. You know, we had a discussion with Eric last week about, should we stop doing an intro? Because we like intro, then we intro. So I would love to hear from the team. Does this add value? From the kids. Yeah, from all the listeners out there. Does this, is this is there is a story I want to share, but we don't have the time for it today. <laughs> we'll share it, yeah. We'll share it sometime. But we will share it sometime. <laughs> I'm sure you'll appreciate uh, it. Yes. Uh, on to the episode, yep. Josh. Welcome to the Metacast. I'm Josh Anderson. I'm Bob Galen. Yes. Josh. Bob. You know, we got to, I feel like after almost 200 episodes, we should have a better flow to the start. Like we say, hello, we say our names and we stare at each other and wait for somebody else to do something. You know what it is, Medicasters, a, a little quick peek behind the uh, curtain <laughs> is Josh and I do very little preparation <laughs> and he's infected me with that. I used to be a preparer. Now I'm no longer, now I'm just a wing it by this, you know, seat of my pants guy, just like Josh. Yeah. And we come in here and we wing it. And then we make eye contact, right? But, you know, he like turns it on and we make eye contact. And it's like, oh shit. <laughs> you know, there's this like, oh shit moment. Yeah. There is. Uh, yeah, and, I know. And we, we don't say it. it, but you can see it in our eyes. It's like, oh shit. We've got, we've got to talk. We're supposed to say something of value. <laughs> exactly. And then, and then we get into, I think that's the speed bump. Yeah. It's the oh shit. Yeah. And then we sort of get our yeah. our yeah, way. Yeah. Yeah. It jars us. It gets us yeah. going. But almost, Maybe if but, we didn't have that, we might we might not no, get the juices. I, every flowing. once in a while throw me a freaking plan yeah. for God's sake. Okay. Let's right, have a fine. thoughtful like God forbid we had like an outline of what we were gonna talk about. Yeah. That would that would be too constrictive. You for sometimes you. bring paper. And you throw it away. You 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 just garbage yeah, it. You yeah, don't you yeah. don't like that. Okay. So speaking of getting juices flowing, and, and this is our like we we have this little moment where we take a little pause and we really get going. Well, this, we, want, we want to look into the future. Yeah, because this will be, if not the one of the last last episodes before twenty twenty one. So we wanna set the stage for all of our listeners and and in hopes of as you take time off to be time with your family over the holidays you're going to come back in on January something f and get ready to rock and roll and we want to talk about things that get us fired up and we're hopeful that we can in turn get you a little fired up for when you get back and you start driving the change that you know you need that you know your company needs that you know your team needs so this yeah. is this is it amen brother this is it. you go for it yeah. preacher josh yeah. yes yeah so we're we're looking back to the future we're looking forward and it's not just next year it's it's some of them can be tactical things for next year but they could be uh two three four years out yeah uh so what would i uh i dream i dream that conferences come back 
that face-to-face conferences come back. I miss, uh, it's not the money. I I miss a little bit the travel, like going to Vegas. Mm -hmm. One of the conferences always would go to the Vegas. I miss the travel. I miss the locales. I miss the excitement of that. I miss, it's a little bit of a pain in the ass. I miss the people. Mm -hmm. Uh, Speaking in front of live audiences Mm -hmm. is just wonderful. Meeting people in hallways. Mm -hmm. So, um, and I'm also looking forward to seeing how how the conferences evolve. Yeah, definitely. Because I don't think there'll be, you know, in-person onlys anymore. I think it'll be a combination of virtualness Mm -hmm. and in-personness. But so I'm excited to see how conferences evolve. I really do. I don't think it'll happen to the latter part of next year, probably. I'm thinking the fall, uh, if, yeah, if we're lucky. I would, yeah. But I hope. I, I miss people. So I want to see that. Can I add, can I do a plus one to that? Sure. Then I'd like to see people, new voices. Oh, uh, yeah. The, more, new, more new voices, whether it's virtual conferences. I've been trying to support people, coach people, if they if they approach me about a, a talk, Really encourage people. I blogged about you know what what it takes to put together a thoughtful proposal, but uh, I'd really like to see more people. They're metacasters. I'd love to see more of you. Uh, yeah, speak. can I throw out a challenge? Totally unprompted, given that we don't plan for anything. Yeah, if you're out there and you're thinking about, hey, I'd like to speak. Reach out to Bob and I because this is important to us to get more voices out there, more diverse voices yeah. of all the diversity of diversity. We need more out there and don't wait for the in person stuff. No, reach out and there are plenty of opportunities to speak. We are happy to help. We want to help. I know the last time that you co chaired a session or whatever the thing was. You were actively looking for new people, for new voices, for different voices. Well, and I went, I went for new, but th- that virtual conference, I went for. I think we had five women out of. So I was looking for diversity. Yeah, I was. I was intentionally. So it wasn't a happenstance. Mm-hmm. Now it happened that these young ladies produced really good ideas. They right. had good talks. But I, I really put on my diversity hat. Yeah. I, I invited some people outside of my track to come in. So absolutely, that's Metacasters. There's, I can't tell you how, how much value there is in getting over the hurdle of public speaking. Mm-hmm. It's not just the speaking, it's the networking, it's developing your own personal confidence, uh, it's developing your network. There's all these intangibles. So if you have any, inkling to do it uh the challenge is out josh challenged you yeah and uh and and i'd I'd love to help josh can help yeah and it isn't virtual now i mean you can speak uh, i mean i'm actually not submitting so Mm -hmm. i'm i'm intentionally stepping back to give Mm -hmm. space for other people Mm -hmm. but there's so many groups now i mean you could literally speak to agile groups across the country or in other countries yeah it's true yeah and 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 that was often a hurdle that was a frustration back before COVID that I was frustrated by the lack of compensation and or support that many conferences gave to speakers that you had to, okay, like, yes, they might accept you, but you had to be willing to foot the bill to get there and to pay to stay there. And that is a huge hurdle for some folks. For a lot of people. And this now has changed the game. So I think that's a great point that you can speak for any 
local conference or any national or international conference because you're doing it from your office or your home or your kitchen just or wherever you out. may be. Yeah. Just reach out. I mean, yeah. there's agile groups in Australia, everywhere. Uh, I don't do it that often. I could. Mm-hmm. I just I just want to sort of create space. I get a little burned out to yeah. it. But th- there's there's no better time to opportunistically do virtual presentations in really safe, you know, usually it's 50 or less people uh, virtually in the yeah. group. It's, it's pretty darn safe to do that. And, you know, you'd likely be doing it in quite a comfort zone in the place you're in every day in the setup where you already control all of the technology you know that like i know when you and i go and speak we get there early and check all the things and make sure that everything works because you know never trust other people's technology now you control all the You're technology in your home yeah. environment yeah um it's just so that's one yeah. so speaking getting out there uh but then my hope is getting back to face to face what do you got yeah i just want to pile on that face to face i i have been working to get better at the natural conversations that just happen when you're in an office and you bump into people. I've been trying to generate those a little bit more um, by showing up to virtual meetings a little bit early in just hopes of trying to spark that conversation that might have happened as people were going to get coffee or whatever it might be, go grab a snack or you, you know, just get up and stretch your legs. There were so many things that happened that I miss, um, that, uh, that has been harder for me to feel as connected as I used to. So I'm trying to make active changes to get better at that and to generate those same conversations that just like just happened without any intent. Um, those are the things that I think, there's some secret sauce there and we've tried a few different technologies to have like hangout spots, like virtual hangout spots and try as we might, we haven't found one that really nailed it, but things are evolving quickly. So that's something I'm going to continue to drive for is to generate those casual conversations that often generate tremendous value. I'm going to pile on to connection a little bit Mm -hmm. because it's funny. I'm triggering on the word. Uh, I've been thinking about, I'm writing a blog post right now about my Cal class. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I try in my mind when I enter, I'm I'm doing one this week starting today, and I'm trying to create connection. So when I enter the class, uh, and it's not just connection to me, it's connection across the classmates, right? Uh, And getting them interacting in things. And in over time, I'm thinking that my the prime directive is not learning, is not um, you know networking. It's if it's like connection is the meta is the is the root foundation of team success and organizational success and event success. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's this lady in the UK, I forget her name, but she she's expert in uh, virtual environments, and she talks about creating a meeting and having uh, breakout rooms. So let's say you, you know, mm-hmm. 10 minutes early yeah. and you create breakout rooms yeah. for people to just hang out yep. and you just throw people in, in groups of four and then they just have conversation. And that's, so she's trying to generate connection, getting to know one another. Mm-hmm. 
I actually think when we're face-to-face, I don't know if we focus so much on connection. We try a little bit. But virtual gives us this intentionality yeah. to it, right? It gives us you a focus. Like in a virtual environment, I'm focusing on it. When I'm face-to-face, I think we get lazy about connection potentially, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, it really makes us you know, focus on that. So I, I would plus one on, you know, Metacasters, focus on connection. Yeah. I, I've, first. That's your first yeah. directive. I have been through a couple of virtual events over the past like three months where that was a thing. And it was a forced, we're dumping random people together. And then that conversation has to happen because if you just leave it, if you don't force it, people won't do it. So there was real value in the organizers, like making this a thing like, Hey, you're going to show up and you're going to be dumped in a room with people you've never met and and go and talk amongst yourselves. Yeah. And, f- and and get to know each yeah. other. Absolutely. Without an agenda, mm-hmm. right? Uh, we could do that internally. You could do that in your companies. Yeah. You could do that as a precursor to meetings and things. Uh, and don't assume that, you know, everyone knows everyone. This is that deeper connection yeah. thing, right? So I Yeah, there, there's, I, I a, there's a thing that we implemented that was a part of Slack. I think it's called Donut is the app. And it, and it created for us coffee connections. So you join this Donut app and then it suggests a connection across the company and encourages the two of you to schedule time to meet together and just talk and intro and understand each other. So that's been, that's been a powerful tool that has helped us. And we actually started that pre COVID um, and then have continued to invest more in that. So that's something that uh, talking about the things that we've been talking about here for five or 10 minutes, that's an, that's an action that you can go do is that if you're feeling like that disconnection across your company is growing, there are things that are out there. There are companies, there are people that are helping attack this problem. So reach out and find those tools across your existing communication channels. Cool. Um, I want to rant a little bit. Oh, I? I love this. No, I mean, so two years ago, I wrote a blog post and said, "I won't, I won't bitch about safe any longer." <laughs> I pro- no, I mean, I it, it, uh, it all joking aside, yeah. I started with my blood pressure is running high, yeah, and every time it just pisses me off. And I saw that at the time, I saw the shoots and ladders. Safe has this adoption picture mm-hmm. uh, of what do you have to do to adopt it, right? And and at each corner, it's like ching or something like that. And it meaning just, you have to pay more to increase your oh adoption. it's oh it's you have to train your leaders cha ching you have to do this next do this next do this yeah. value stream mapping get a consultant SPCs do this right, yeah so, uh, train all your you know you need a hundred thousand SPCs yeah cha ching so it, my my head just exploded mm-hmm. and I said I won't do it anymore it was my goodbye mm-hmm. and then I attended a, a session the other day with Eric Willicky, uh an agile RTP meeting and he, he's a really neat guy and but my head but he was talking about uh the teams he he doesn't i'm paraphrasing but teams don't matter like as a as as a safe consultant he worries about the lean organization and he optimized the organizations because the teams really don't right he's not that interested in team behavior he's much more interested in optimizing the organization than the team's benefit and my head wanted to explode because what he—that's what he's doing is he's hanging out with executives, the mm-hmm. people paying the bills. I'm not saying they're not important, but he's he's lost his empathy and connection to the teams. So I'm back in safe. 
I'm back in safe hating mode again. So can optimistic Josh jump in with a counterpoint? Oh my gosh, yes. So maybe the angle he's taking, um, whether delivery was bad or maybe you were a little fired up before the conversation even started, but maybe his thought is, you know, there's plenty of content and topic and coaches to help the teams get good. That often isn't the limiting factor in a company's adoption of Agile. It's usually the suits that get in the way. So I'm going to focus there because there's a million good people and a million good articles and a million good podcasts that can help these people. And they're actively trying to get better. It's those bozos that get in the way. I, I think that's part of it. That's maybe the, the healthy part of it. The unhealthy part (laughs) of it is he's, he's not really listening to the teams, nor is he encouraging them to listen to the teams. Okay. He's like, Oh, you know, if a team hits an impediment, well, you know, they raise it to the leaders. Well, what if it's not safe to do that? Mm-hmm. And then the leaders organize those impediments and they prioritize them and then they solve them when. Well, why don't yeah, they're not walking? So mm-hmm. the point I, I one point I made to him is I said, You you sound like you've lost your empathy for your understanding of teams. Mm-hmm. The value the rubber meets the road with the freaking agile team. Mm-hmm. They deliver the freaking value. And you don't have a clue. You don't want to have a clue about what's going on in their lives, mm-hmm. right? And and so, but but well, we have you know we have inspect and adapt stuff that'll bubble that up to the leaders, and the leaders will okay, I get that. But I, but I'm that's not I'm not picking on Eric. I'm I'm picking on I'm uh, again hopes and dreams. I want safe to die. <laughs> I want it. I want it. I want it. It's it's it is the wrong. It it is not. It it is safe's fault. Safe corrupts people. It money. It brings mm-hmm. money corrupts. Power corrupts. Silver bullets corrupt. Right. Yeah. Uh, and I really, I know, if I I wanted, to, I just wanted to go away. Right. I hope and dream. Uh, you know, replace it with something like mini safe, or something. Or but it's it's just out of control. Um, Do you feel like it's gained steam? It's which gaining is, steam. So it, it's, it's gaining yeah, steam. Okay. And the thing that uh, Jerry Weinberg uh, had this quote, and, and I've I've written a an, I've written a blog post about this experience with Eric, like I always do. And Jerry had this thing called pick. Uh, he calls it being pickled. Mm-hmm. And he and, oh yeah, that's and right, the yeah. quote is uh, cucumbers get brined before brined get brine gets pickled. And so, mm. so the, the, the point is you, you, the environment changes you yeah. before you change the environment. Right. And I think as coaches, we can get pickled. Yeah. I think Eric, great. And I'm not just saying this medicasters, he is incredibly bright, thoughtful, but when you get pickled, I don't think you realize it's like the frog in the hot water. Right. You can, yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I, the, the only, so I 100% agree that that is a thing. What I am, what, what my like internals react to is like, you know what, Bob, you're right. That can happen, but I'm going to put it on me to be like super vigilant and not let that happen. Yeah. It's yeah. the self-awareness, Yeah, but, but people can lose that self-awareness yeah, and they right. don't. So now you're really, really pickled. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but you don't know your pickle. Yeah, you know it. it no, exactly. it is. It's no. The ownership of that is on self. Right. Absolutely. Hundred percent. Right. Shame on. Again, nice guy. 
thoughtful, but you have to be self-aware, you know, maybe mentor, get a mentor or coach mm-hmm. or something or ask people. But, but Eric is absolutely pickled in, in safe. Um, Eric, who, Eric, who? Willicky. Oh, okay. I the guy you I met, Eric Cannon. Like, wait a no, minute. No, 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 Eric. Because Willick- I know the Eric Cannon. No, no, the no, whole no, Eric, kind of, Eric was, oh, okay. No, and he's not yeah. alone. Yeah. A lot of people yeah. can get pickled in the framework. Okay, so so let's do that. Let's talk about that. Um, as you as you prep for twenty twenty one, take some time off and measure your pickledness. Is that a that's not a term, but but like take an honest reflection of hey, are my views about who we could or should be less uh, aspirational than they used to be? Have I like lowered the bar? Oh, I love, because, I love where you're going, man. Because it's like, yeah. well, you know, I tried and it was hard, yep. and well, like, okay, if that's true, then there's some pickling that's happened, and. Walk back into 2021, resetting that bar with with where you wanted it to be because it won't just happen. Like you've got to be super intentional to not allow the pickling to happen because you're right. If you don't really invest, it can. And I see it in myself, right? There, 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 there are times where I catch myself like, no, don't, don't do that. Like you just keep fighting. Like this is, this is the thing you got to do. It's normal. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's incredibly dangerous. Right. And it's the lack of self-aware. You don't know it. Right. It's like, it's, you're changing and you don't know you're changing. So I would extend what you're saying. Uh, It could be methods, Metacasters. It could be uh, how you view leadership in your companies. It's the tools and techniques you use. It's, you could get pickled with how you perceive people in your team. Like you, you, Bob is a curmudgeon and. Oh and, yeah. Right. Wait, it's yeah, like yeah. pickling is everywhere. Yeah. Right. Uh, and it's sort of just challenge yourself, like get quiet and just do some ret- reflection. Uh, what else you got, Josh? Welcome to our diversity and inclusion minute. I'm Josh Anderson. I'm Bob Galen. Um, Metacasters, we talk about diversity and we weave it in pretty powerfully in mm-hmm. this session. So, uh, we're not going to talk much more, but just, yeah, I, I think there's real value in us again, hitting the pause button, even though we do spend a pretty decent amount of time of the episode talking about that, there's still value in hitting the pause button for a couple of minutes, maybe one minute in total and saying, Hey, we can, we should, we must do better. Ah, I I love, man, this man is a poet and he doesn't know it. Uh, The other thing, Josh, (laughs) Is the episode is talking about the future. Yeah. I do feel like we're losing steam. I don't know about you. Yeah. But in the, so in the universe of Black Lives Matter, I remember when there were protests and things like that, I got pretty fired up Mm -hmm. and I'm still fired up, Mm -hmm. but I don't hear about it as much at all. So the momentum is gone. Uh, I just want to challenge everyone. Don't lose the momentum. Yep. I'm, I'm, I'm challenging myself. We can't, we can't lose the momentum. So that's why we're doing what we do as well. So keep the momentum up, Mazercasters. All right. We're going to do it. Yep. Dreams, hopes, aspirations, 2021 and beyond. Uh, I think carrying on the pickling term, uh, diversity is something that because we didn't maintain it front and center in our brain as a society, we enabled ourselves to be unfortunately pickled by those issues that are out there. So now the positive thing is that the awareness is there and we have to maintain 
that awareness up front and again, be vigilant and intentional and do everything we can to right the wrongs and get things going back in the right direction. This is something we've been talking about for months um, that Bob, as he was talking about who we're going to get to speak, things like that. As I re-engage hiring, as Bob and I are looking at hiring somebody to help us with the Metacast, right? Like there's, there's all these things that are out there that we are now more intentional than ever to ensure that we unpickle ourselves from that. Um, so that, that's, that's the one thing that I think, um, we've talked about a lot this year. We probably won't ever talk about it enough, but that's, that's a key thing that I really hope maintains steam. And just like the potential for unpickling, if you, if you take your foot off the gas, there's a high likelihood that that's going to happen again. So maintain that focus and make a difference. I'll I, I agree with the diversity. I, I want to add on a little bit. Just it's not just diversity, Metacaster. So I saw, I saw someone's blog post. A guy in Europe, uh, someone who podcasts or po- po- he uh, blogs about agile stuff. I forget his name. Real, real nice guy. Real uh, and valuable content. And he talked about diversity. It was only like you know three paragraphs or five paragraphs. And diversity is important. So one thing I would challenge everyone to do is dig into what diversity is. I think we have a trivial view of diversity. Like uh, a diverse agile team will produce better stuff. Fantastic. What the hell does that mean? Mm-hmm. And and do you realize that diversity probably has, about, you know, a hundred at least 100 attributes to it? Uh, and we probably want to understand at least 10 or 20 of those attributes to yeah. it. So uh, fast forward, I think having a deeper understanding of that. Don't, don't fall into the trap of just saying the word, mm-hmm. become a student, start looking at what is diversity? What are aspects you've done that? Mm-hmm. And you're talking about that. And then don't forget the inclusion. The plus one is diversity without inclusion is sort of useless. Like you can, you can have diversity of your teams, but if you have not created an environment, a culture, an ecosystem where there's inclusivity, then you've just frustrated all of your diversity, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. So, so I, I, again, what I'm thinking is do deep dives. So the future is deep dives into what diversity is uh, and then deep dives into inclusion and what, what the activities are there. I want to hit you with something. Ryan Ripley. Mm-hmm has been on and I, I I'm going to say this it's something that's got the hair on the back of my neck standing up but I want to see you're probably the voice oh, of reason man, okay and he's twi- he's tweeted something he says coaches are not therapists and there was something like in this time of covid there's a coaching oath and there's a quote in the coaching oath I'm, I'm not going to read it mm-hmm. that talks about you know care and feeding for the organization and the people and something like that and you can look at it and say oh the coach moves from coaching people to being a therapist or mm-hmm. a psychiatrist to mm-hmm. people. And he triggered on it. He's still beating the drum. So he's clearly triggered on this. And I'm wondering if it's so binary, if it's so black and white, that coaches coach scrum and they never get involved in, like, the family life. I, I'm not doing it well, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. They don't get involved in the personal attributes 
Uh, and, and Ryan is almost binary. He's mm-hmm. like, coaches do this, and you know, and ther- and this is for therapists. Yeah. So if you encounter anyone who's, you know, if someone's crying, give them the card of a therapist and, say, right. and, and just call that person and get the hell out of there. Yeah. It, I'm exaggerating, but I, I think there's this binary nature. You know, I'm doing scrum or I'm not. I'm, I, you know, I'm a coach. Yeah. And I, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I am a coach and I'm not. I, I understand his point. We are not trained. Coaches, agile coaches are not trained. And leaders are not trained as therapists. They're not trained as psychiatrists. But damn it, I don't think it's so stark yeah. that whenever you encounter something that makes you shiver a little bit, you give someone a business card for a therapist and shush them out of, the, out of your way. What do you think? I'm going to give you two reactions. One, I can understand where Ryan's coming from because it can be a slippery slope. And we've talked about in the hard parts about coaching someone through a crisis and you're not a professional. I mean, maybe you are right. But most of us that are in the agile coaching profession are not professionals and should not jump into those things. But uh, so the second point for me, you go back to diversity and some other things like like we're diverse and you could say that and it's black or white but there's the there's the nuance that goes with that 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 you talked about with the inclusion and everything that you do to make it really work well yep. so what i have seen and what i spend a fair amount of my time coaching with is getting out of that black and white which which safe is a thing like that like it's black and white like hey if you do safe you win exactly. and we're done right exactly. but no like that's it's not that easy there's some gray and getting people comfortable and confident to walk through that grayness and sort things out and be able to say yeah uh okay therapist is the right person here like that's way above my skill level so i'm going to like pass this on to somebody else or like, yeah, okay. Like just spending time with a person helps and getting to understand them and what drives them. And that allows me to coach better. I, I think there are too often where it's easy to create silos and we just kind of do that. Like, nope, hands off, not my problem. Um, and, and, and that's where we get into trouble. And again, there's times where you understand as a coach where it's good to take that strong stance and say like, no, like you do this, you do this, you do this, right? Because maybe there's some patterns you need the company to take or something like that. So there's times where that's a good coaching approach, but there's times, and I've seen a lot of people that like only do that and don't really dig into the hard stuff and say, well, like, you know, maybe it's like somewhere in the middle, but that's hard. I think maybe as you were talking, I was thinking shuhari. Mm-hmm. So I think if you bring mature skill to the coach, I, I think if you're a ha or a re coach, you can navigate the gray, or you become more adept yeah. and skilled at navigating the gray. Uh, I, I I forgot that we talked about this. You're not a therapist in yeah. our yeah. in our in our coaching, you know, emotional situations, mm-hmm. and we were very clear. I think, as I recall, about mm-hmm. that. Yeah. But at the same time, I, I don't want it to be so stark. Yeah. That's what I'm, and and it, again, if it's a shoe level coach, then maybe it maybe starkness is warranted, mm-hmm. right? I have zero, like I have zero experience, right? But see, that's where people stop is that they they don't maintain the vision of where they want to be and how they want to evolve. So then they so they they just rinse and repeat and just do that thing over and over again because it's easy. 
But for that coach to evolve or that coach to mature and really become that exceptional leader, you have to venture into the wild and make some mistakes and try some things and, and, and wander into that gray and find your way out. If yep. you don't ever do that, then you're ceiling super low. That's really what I'm looking at. I'm not trying yeah. to turn coaches into therapists, but there's, there's some gray area there. And it's so situational. It depends on who you're talking to, right? Uh, the other thing, ah, this is a cool thing. I, I don't know if this is a hope or a vision for 2021, but I was reading this, uh, this guy published this thing, nine uh, critical skills for an enterprise coach. Mm-hmm. And one of them, uh, damn it. I'm oh, hold on a second. I have it. I'm again, I'm writing. I got a, <laughs> I got a burst. I got a burst of inspiration, Josh. They come the privilege. So the, he talked one of the top nine skills was understanding your privilege as a coach. Uh, okay. And Tell me more. The, no, no. I mean, people are like you come into an organization. Uh, it's easier for you. It's like understanding how easy it is for you to come in as a leader of a product organization and not reflecting that. So you've just been promoted to, or you've, you've got a new position as a leader in a product in your company. Yeah. Right. You have agile chops. You've mm-hmm. been part of startups. All of that is your skills and experience, but it's also given you privilege. Mm-hmm. Right, people. Your boss looks at you with a different lens mm-hmm. when you bring ideas. That privilege comes in. There. So, are we aware and th- aware of our privilege, and then are we using it for the good of others? Mm-hmm. Uh, what would be growing other people in your organization? In fact, not influencing by your skill, but influencing through others mm-hmm. or something would be sort of taking that privilege and sharing it. Yeah, and I the, the revelation for me is I've never thought, in my mind, I'm like humble, and you know this is wrong, but in my mind, I'm humble Bob Galen, agile coach. Mm -hmm. I try to keep myself down. I try to keep myself grounded. But what I've lost is I have privilege Mm -hmm. that so many other people don't have. When I walk into a building, Mm -hmm. it's that that, that question of... uh, what. What I've said this, an internal coach, I've said it a hundred times. You say it once and everyone falls over themselves. Yeah. That's my privilege come into play. Yeah. And I've never recognized it as that word. Uh, and then, you know, sort of rationalizing it and, and being aware of it and then sharing it mm-hmm. and appreciating your privilege, but also sort of giving it, you know, empowering other people. So I think having us be aware of our, like, you know, when we were talking about getting quiet and understanding, like growing, sort of understanding yourself, I think understanding our privilege. Any reactions to that? Like, like you're privileged. Yeah, I... I you're, you're a football player. Yeah, like, I... What has so, football well, I, done yeah. in your business and, life? And that's where it goes for me, is that as as you mature as an athlete or as a player on a team and you establish and you kind of realize like, Holy crap, I'm kind of good at this. You develop a little bit of a swagger. Yeah. Right. And and that can be used for good and it can be used for bad. Uh, So, but I found that there's real value in having awareness and understanding of like, Hey, you know, I'm pretty good at this and there's, there's now you can't be a jerk about it, right? That's a, that's a very thin line to walk, but there's real value in understanding and having awareness 
of that. And it's something like you, I didn't always have. And well, it took been, somebody to wake me up and show me that. And I'm like, oh, well, wait a minute. But if you minute. coach, let me give you an example. Yeah. You're coaching someone. Yeah. If you're coaching them, you're coaching a product owner in your organization, a mm-hmm. new product owner. Mm-hmm. Oh, you need to talk to the CEO. This It should just present this, this, and this. If, you, if you're talking from your privilege, yeah. you're not helping them very much. Right. Right, you're not meeting them where they are, if you will, and you're not. It's it's really easy to do this because if you don't think about your privilege before it, it's like it, you're just coaching. Yeah, and I'm, but that's not helpful. They don't have your privilege, right. right? So they have to develop that on their own. So then you've ineffectively coached them. You maybe have put them in a position of failure, etc. In that coaching, so. So depending on how you perceive it, I, I don't know. I just I'm I'm thinking about. I think in the future for me, it's being aware mm-hmm. of. I've I've written books. It's not ego. It's that's a, a privilege. Mm-hmm. I was privileged enough to write a book. Mm-hmm. Right. Not everyone is privileged to do that. What can I do to help other right. people do that? And and just being more self aware of your privilege. And I had never thought of privilege within a coaching context before I saw mm-hmm. it with this guy. And I should have. It sort of was a little slap in the face. What do you got? Anything else? No, I think I think we're kind of nearing the end here. I mean, can, yes, I, can I do one quick a, one? There's a lot. Can I do a quickie? Rip. Yeah, sure. So uh, this is related to the safe. Th- so the safe thing just. Oh, man. He oh, no, on I'm, fire. No, I'm like, a, I'm like a Wolverine on safe. I, I am. If safe was a bone, I'd be gnawing on Man. that thing. Um, and, and so this was, I was thinking of a metaphor, uh, to present this goes back to Eric and talking about you, you lost empathy to the teams. Mm-hmm. So I came up with this thought experiment and I'd like to get you, and this is something I want to do in the future. I'd like agile leaders to look at the world. What if a hypothetical, and I think you've actually, well, I don't know if you've done this, but, Hypothetical, the founders of a company mm-hmm. are very technical. Mm-hmm. Let's say there's a, a mm-hmm. scenario, a hypothetical scenario where four or five founders found a company, founded a company is incredibly successful. They're developers and they decided not to divest. They decided that they want to stay developing code. So they, they mosey down to scrum teams, down to scrum teams, mm-hmm. but they haven't divested of the company. So they're still the owners of the company. Uh, they're still on the board. Uh, they're still leaders of the company, but they've hired a leadership team, mm-hmm. right, to lead the company because re- they really want to focus on yeah. on that. So now, in that, the real leadership of that company is not within the leadership team. The real power in that company, yes, there is a leadership team. Mm-hmm. Yes, there's a CFO. Yes, there's a CEO. But literally, the founders of the company, again, hypothetical, are in the team. Would that change? How the, like how safe is installed? Would that change Eric? So Eric was talking about, well, you know, I have to coach up. In the, in this case, yes, you do. Mm-hmm. And they're paying my bills. They're, they're literally, they're my stakeholders. So now the term stakeholder is really the teams become stakeholders as well. And not just in word. They're actually powerful stakeholders. Right. The founders what would that change in the power dynamic in a company? And I think it would be really effective if leaders looked yeah. if, if leaders looked at their teams and say, I work for the teams. So something beyond servant yeah, leadership. Yeah, yeah. I literally freaking work for the teams. 
I respect the teams. I work for the teams. And I have to include them in, in most things. What do you think? Well, I think that ends up looking like you and I, how we envision the world should operate. Like, yeah. like I had a hard time because, like, that's how my brain works. And that's how I operate. So it's like, well, that, you know, like, that's kind of how it should be. Bob, you know, so, but then how I think about what it looks like when you don't do that is all the places that we've gone in and coached where that wasn't a thing. And that's unfortunately the majority of the folks that are out there are wrestling with stuff like this. And they're good people. Yeah. Mary, Mary Thorne, who you and I know has mm-hmm. gone to S and P and they're doing agile stuff. And Mary has in her organization, they're not reporting to her, but there's at least 100 scrum teams. Let's say somewhere between 100 and 200 or more scrum teams, right? At that scale, it's really easy to fall into the safe, right? Oh, we have to yeah. install safe. but And, and we can't. Oh, well, we can't listen to the teams. There's 200 of them. Well, what if they owned the company? Mm-hmm. What if they... What if they, well, then you'd have to figure out a way. Right. I mean, it would be hard. There's 200 teams. Yeah. It would be hard, but your your butt would have to consider, right? So I think we get lazy sometimes. It's like. Yeah, that's ultimately the limiting factor. Right. Is your willingness to invest in doing it well, doing it right. Yeah. And then yeah. the number is sort of intimidating and it's an excuse sometimes. I yeah. get the scale of it, but you know what? You would figure out goodly. So in my hypothetical, Folks, if they wanted to survive, they'd have to be more respectful of the teams, right? They just have to. They'd have to listen to that. I'd love a future where maybe that hypothetical in the thinking of leaders becomes more real. I agree. Uh, we have a time constraint, so we yes. got we we gotta we gotta run. A stick a fork in it. Stick a fork Should in we it. Do that? So from beautiful downtown Cary, North Carolina, I'm Bob Galen, and I'm Josh Anderson. Shake and bake. Take care, y'all.